Welcome to the latest Tablet podcast. My name is Ruth Gledhill and I'm the online editor of the Tablet. With me today is Catherine Pepinster. Catherine is a former editor of the Tablet and now is a well-known author, writer and broadcaster. Recently, she's been covering the report from ICSA into child abuse and sexual abuse in the Roman Catholic Church. Catherine, this report is a pretty devastating summary of what's happened and what hasn't happened over the last few years. Could you outline some of the main findings? Yes, Ruth. It, it's as you said. It's it, it's a, it's a devastating report, and the the panel uh, of of people working for ICSA uh, under the chairmanship of Professor Alexis J uh, produced a report that's 147 pages long, which says that between 1970 and 2015. The Catholic Church in England and Wales received more than 900 complaints involving 3,000 sexual abuse incidents. But they believe that the scale of abuse in the past 50 years is even higher than that. Um, they noted that, that since 2015, there continue to have been allegations of abuse reported every year. So the, the inquiry went into great detail. It, it examined three case studies, as, as the, the inquiry called them. They examined the Archdiocese of Westminster, the Archdiocese of Birmingham and the Benedictine Order of Monks. And when looking at the Benedictines, they were focused on uh, the schools that the Benedictines run, such as Ampleforth, Downside and St. Benedict's in Ealing. The, the, the stories that they heard from survivors who gave evidence talked about different kinds of abuse that range from touching, groping, etc. And then really, really serious assaults, different forms of rape. And sometimes, particularly with the schools, the, the monks and other teachers who were involved in those kind of attacks sometimes were carrying out really quite sadistic beatings as well so the 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 actual assaults on children and young people were, were really quite terrible but i i think the thing that was that was really shocking throughout the evidence that we we heard at these different hearings and that were uh, reported on in the summary of, of the report that came out this week the, the really bad thing was that that, that the abuse had often been swept under the carpet that there'd been a lack of action against the perpetrators and often there'd been efforts to to cover up their crimes or to move perpetrators around so you'd find a priest for example who might ass assault a child in one parish who then was moved on to another one and, and continued to behave in the same way and I think even perhaps really depressingly even when the church has made efforts at safeguarding, and it has made efforts in in recent times, that sometimes the the survivors of abuse find that that people involved in safeguarding don't respond with empathy to them, uh, even even when they know these people are victims of abuse. They they make life quite difficult for them, and that I found that really very worrying indeed. Do you think that the church has done enough to change 
or is more change still needed? Well, I think it certainly has made efforts to change. I mean, if we talk about England and Wales, we've had several reports. We, we, we had the first report, we had major report into child abuse, the need for greater child protection was carried out by Lord Nolan. Then uh, what Lo Lord Nolan had recommended was, was reviewed by Baroness Cumberledge. And there was a report on that that led to the existing safeguarding methods but it it still seems from what the the ICSA report shows that the the that abuse has continued and and also that the safeguarding isn't isn't really working to people's satisfaction and in their response to the report the bishops although they've said very little up till now the bishops have acknowledged that there are still problems now, what you do about those problems of safeguarding is where the debate really gets going, because increasingly survivors of abuse, their lawyers and other people looking at what's gone on are saying that there has to be independent oversight of safeguarding. That, that the church can't, to quote one of the lawyers, mark its own homework. That, that people from the outside, in, independent authorities, will have to have oversight of safeguarding in the church. I'm not, I'm not sure how, how popular that's going to be, but certainly the bishops are yet again ordering a review. That started, uh, commissioned by them. So there's a question mark over how they're going to respond to the idea that people from the outside should come in and oversee safeguarding. But the thing that's really going to cause a huge debate, I think, is, is the idea that if, if uh, priests hear details of abuse in the confessional, what they hear is no longer just between them and, and the person who's penitent, but that it, they should report what they hear to outside authorities. And I think that's something where the church will really um, not want to countenance that at all. There's also talk of how um, uh, any, any kind of abuse should be, uh, there should be mandatory reporting. So, you know, if, if, if there's, some, if, if abuse is discovered, um, on church premises, for example, it should be reported. And I, th I think, I think that in Rome they're sort of talking about better reporting too, which is effectively, I think, their idea of saying there should be mandatory reporting. But if mandatory reporting includes uh, a priest telling other authorities what they've heard in the confessional, that that really starts to become controversial for the church. Yes, and wasn't something similar recommended in Australia by the Commission there? Yes, it has been mentioned in various parts of the world. And, and, and I think it always meets with a great deal of, of frostiness. Um, I mean, there are arguments as to why mandatory reporting in, of what's heard in the confessional is problematic. Um, I mean, for one thing, uh, they're talking about uh, reporting of what a priest hears in the confessional about child abuse. Well, uh, rape of adults murders should 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 
confessors be reporting all these things to the police? Um, and then there's the problem that the Catholic Church, of course, doesn't doesn't just operate in democracies like the UK or Australia. The Catholic Church functions in countries where um, the police aren't quite what we what we have grown used to in our in our democratic nations um and and getting the police involved might be really problematic um so there are there are all kinds of issues that have still to be um you know to be examined and to be debated but going back to what i wrote for the tablet one thing i i would say is that the 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 survivors um of abuse that i spoke to the, the victims who reported what had happened to them um you know, they, they have suffered terribly and, and, and it's really apparent that if you're a victim of abuse it isn't just a question of the incidents that you experience, it's something that affects your life for years and years it, 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 the trauma just goes on and on and it's exacerbated when you know, as, as a victim of abuse as you attempt to survive it you feel that you're not getting the help and support you need from the church and and the survivors call that being re-traumatized they call it secondary abuse and i i was really struck by how they kept they kept going with trying to get something done and i thought that the the courage they showed was really quite remarkable it has been remarkable it's been going on for years and years and years because i remember when the nolan reforms were introduced after Lord Nolan's report. And um, the church in England and Wales was held up as a beacon of safeguarding all over the world. And yet for this to have come now after that, you know, it really, um, it really challenges that perception of how effectively those um, no doubt good reforms w were actually um, carried through, were actually followed through and actually worked. Well, and I think uh, I think I think the the uh, the ICSA report does comment that efforts have been made to improve what what was then called child protection and is now called safeguarding, um, and and the same with with the Cumberledge review. That you know there 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 were I think genuine efforts to try and make improvements, but it seems. That, that they didn't go far enough. And often the problem has been uh, a lack of empathy, really. Um, that, that, that even if you, put, if you put regulations in place uh, and you set up structures, when you're dealing with people who, who are often in very fragile states, you know, structures and rules and regulations are all very well, but they, they don't really help if there isn't that empathy. And there hasn't necessarily been the empathy that that people really require. Um, and I also, I have wondered sometimes, and I know that this is a provocative thing to say, but I have wondered sometimes when, I, when I've talked to people about the, the scandal of abuse in the church and, and heard how often bishops uh, have been very charitable towards uh, priest abusers and how abbots have been very charitable to, towards monk abusers. I've sometimes wondered if 
the church's emphasis on forgiveness has skewed things a bit. Now, it's good that forgiveness remains such a key a key aspect of, of Christianity and of our Catholic faith. But we can't have that forgiveness uh, being provided at the expense of those who are the victims. Yes. So do, do you so think if, it... you're, if you're understanding towards a priest, but you're not doing enough to help the victim, that's not really good enough. No. And do you think it is an emphasis on forgiveness or is it, um, as the report says, a, a just a simply a desire to protect the reputation of the church above all else? Well, I think that's been going on as well. I mean, yeah. I think I think one has to remember when you're talking about, say, an abbot in a community in, in the monastery or, or a bishop with his priest, they have got per, effectively what's almost like parental roles, pastoral roles towards these people. You know, their welfare is their concern. And so uh, if, if they have somebody who's been accused of abuse and this person sa- says, promises i will never do it again so they think well i'll just i'll just move them elsewhere um give them a fresh start you could see why they might think that's a charitable way to proceed but if it means they then put other people at risk it's just not the way to proceed um but so there's that that's a a kind of charitable interpretation of what's been going on but i think there is evidence too that um that sometimes you know there were there were situations where they thought let's handle this ourselves let's keep it quiet let's not involve the police and other outside bodies um but of course the, the, it's the same that happens to all institutions that do this kind of thing and the catholic church is is not alone in this other institutions have also covered up um other institutions have also tried to handle these things themselves and when when it all comes eventually out, they've made things far worse for for their institution, let alone the victims. Absolutely. You, in the feature you've done for the tablet this week, you tell this incredibly powerful story of this survivor um, smashing the gravestone of his abuser and being sanctioned to smash it. Well, did um, that? That's. I'll, I'll tell the story again because it's it's slightly more complicated than that. That so, um, I spoke to um, somebody called Deirdre McCormack, who is, who is a survivor of abuse, but the gravestone belonged to her cousin, who who had been a priest, and he he'd actually abused somebody else, not Deirdre McCormack, and but when Deirdre McCormack read the story of the person that her cousin had abused she decided that uh, having this gravestone which said on it that this this person had been a wise and loved priest she thought this made life even worse for his victim and so she decided because she was the next of kin and owns the headstone she decided that she'd have it brought down um and so she had the 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 the, the gravestone smashed to pieces, um, rather than keep this inscription there, saying this was a wise and good man when in fact he'd been an abuser. So she did. So she didn't smash the gravestone of her abuser. She 
she smashed the gravestone of another abuser. But because she'd been abused herself by somebody else, I think she particularly understood how it would make that victim feel. And and it's a really um, a very very strong action, and it really resonates. Well, I watched um, when film, you read about it. I watched the film of it because it, the, the 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 breaking up, the destruction of this gra- uh, gravestone was filmed, and I watched it. And it is a truly shocking thing to see, see somebody taking a, sl- a sledgehammer uh, to a stone like that, in a, and and a, well, desecrating a grave, you could say. Um, but what was what was very significant, I thought, was that, uh, well, she, she Deirdre McCormack, owned that headstone, gravestone, um, because um, she paid for it, and she was the next of kin of the dead priest. Um, but but the diocese that he was incarnated in and the uh, seminary grounds where the the uh, grave was, um, no no representative of, of the seminary or the diocese um, stopped her. They they effectively let it happen. Yes, and and that's, I mean that feels very good, really. Did it make her feel better doing this? I think it. I think it. I think it did. Yes, I think she felt it was the right thing to do in the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm, 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 I don't think she's suggesting that you know other people should get run, go around the country smashing up the gross no, of that. people they suspect of abuse or anything like that. But um, no, I'm, I'm not suggesting it's a panacea no, either. But, but but I think um, I think in these circumstances she felt she could she couldn't really let the 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 gravestone stand um as i say to see it happen i watched the film of it is it's it's a really shocking and dramatic moment mm. well thanks catherine for your time and for talking us through that and uh, i'm sure that we haven't heard the last of this um and uh, but thanks for taking such care over your reporting well and analysis i think um i think we'll all be waiting now to see what the bishops further have to say and um i think there's an awful lot more that needs to be done but uh, as as the ixa report said there has been there have been improvements uh they haven't gone far enough but there is something there that they can build on good well thank you and no doubt we'll speak again soon thank you very much ruth